and it's just like, oh, what am I doing? I'm just spinning here now. This doesn't feel like progress anymore. And that was the point at which I thought, okay, perhaps I need to think a bit, bit differently now. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bikes, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Johnny White, who is the founder of Ticket Taylor, a platform for selling tickets online, doing over 6 million ARR and growing. Johnny founded Ticket Taylor in 2011, grew it to 2k MRR, and then sold it to a company called Timeout a short while later. After a few, let's say, stagnant years at Timeout, Johnny then bought the company back to make the lifestyle business he's always wanted. But then after hitting all of his goals, Johnny made the decision to build out a team and bootstrap the company to profitability and beyond. Now with a team of 20 plus people, Johnny has a whole set of challenges he's dealing with, which we dig into in this episode. Now, I was actually introduced to Johnny through long-term Indie Bike sponsor, Email Octopus, and their dedication and support for indie founders like me is unparalleled. And if you haven't heard of Email Octopus, they're a bootstrapped email marketing platform built to support other small growing businesses like yours. They are focused on affordability and ease of use, which is perfect when you're starting out as an indie founder. Email Octopus contains all of the features you need to reach and grow your audience. And you can start today without paying a penny on their free plan where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers. To try out Email Octopus, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Now, this is one of the hardest episodes I've ever had to edit because Johnny's story goes on so many twists and turns. So if you want a bit more context on some of the things he's saying, I do have an extended hour-long version of this conversation on the Indie Bytes membership. I'll leave a link for that in the show notes. Let's get into this episode. Johnny, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me, James. Johnny, I'm very excited to talk to you because you've not done many, if any, podcasts. All of your interviews have been written. So what were you doing before Ticket Taylor came about? I was at university. I was studying software engineering and well, I was really into music as well. So I was really into going out and enjoying the nightlife scene that was on offer in Birmingham where I was at university. And there wasn't actually that much way of finding out what was going on beyond the student environment. So whilst I was at university, I created this website called What's On In Brahm. And it was me like learning PHP to build out a, a listings website. And I'd literally go into the record shops, pick up flyers, take them back to my, my, my study and then type the information in and put them up on this website called What's On and Brum. And then off the back of that, there was opportunities to like advertise on the website and things like that. So I got to know a few of the nightclubs and a few of the promoters around town and then started building websites that, you know, they'd say like, oh, can you build us a website? And then so built up this client base of doing freelance web development with kind of like the Birmingham nightlife scene. Talk to me about how the idea for Ticket Taylor came about for you. Yeah, so I was, as I say, building websites for people. We'd get lots of requests coming in from people basically saying like, can you build me a ticketing system? I'd quote for it. And then the cost of building a custom solution was just too much money. So it seemed like, hang on, there's definitely like a gap here between how people sell tickets at the moment is through agencies and people want a custom system, but do they really want a custom system? Like it's so expensive and it's hard to maintain. What if people actually just want the software aspect of ticketing? They don't want the middleman, they don't want the agency, but they do want the tools, they do want the software. And so that was the idea really. And, and it was about three, four months or so when it felt like, okay, this is getting ready now and I need to actually see if I can find a customer. It, the product was a place where I could kind of demo it. So I thought, okay, the easiest way to do this, or in my very limited knowledge of marketing and sales was thinking I need to just pick up the phone and speak to people so I bought a book and I bought this book called cold calling how to eliminate fear and rejection or something like that and I went onto google maps and just started calling and the first one said 
oh, I'm sorry, the manager's not in right now. And I was like, oh, thank God. And put the phone down. I was like, yes, good. I'm off the phone. What a relief. And then on the next call, it rung off and I was like, oh, phew, didn't have to speak to anyone. And then on the third one, I got through to the manager and the manager said, yeah, we're looking at our ticketing right now. And actually, we don't want to use a ticketing company like an agency. We would love to, you know, check this out. Do you want to come by this week and show us what you've got? So I booked in a meeting, went round, showed them. I took out a printed page of the price list and they signed up to the top package. I mean, they, they, they negotiated a bit on the price, but I was like, this is just so much validation. And I'm so excited that someone's going to be paying me £40 a month. And that was all like, I stopped cold calling then. You know, that was a pretty good success rate, actually. But I didn't do any more after that because <laughs> I was just like, I did what I needed to do, which was give me the motivation to get it over the line. Congrats getting that first customer so quickly. The thought of you walking in there with your prices printed out for, on paper for a software <laughs> product is just phenomenal. So what, what did you do after you got that first customer? So I did a lot of cold emailing, actually. Again, not from a playbook, but I was just very much writing very personalized emails to people. And then SEO as well. We managed to rank quite highly, quite quickly on like terms like sell tickets online. So SEO worked really well. And then beyond that, like word of mouth. And obviously word of mouth only works when you've got some customers. But as soon as you've got some, this worked so well because again it was different and saved people a lot of money and a lot of time and um, so like over the next few years you start to build up this product did it ever get to a point where you thought you could tone down your web work and work on ticket tailor full-time yeah i had a goal in mind of two thousand quid or two thousand dollars and once I got to that, that was when I thought, okay, cool, that's when I'll know that I'll be able to pay the bills. And it took about a year to get there. And it was really interesting actually getting to that point of, okay, well, I've achieved that now. What happens now? What do I do? Like also at the time, you know, this was right by Old Street Roundabout. The tech scene really exploded and it was all about getting investment. So I was just in my mind, I was like, okay, well, clearly now I need to get funding. And I remember like creating a pitch deck for trying to raise 400,000 but not knowing what I was actually going to spend it on and it's funny just like presenting that in front of investors and they're like what are you going to do with it and just you know making it up as I go along clearly not thinking about the, the long term or why they needed that money just doing it because it seemed like the right thing to do but it kind of didn't really matter actually because I actually got this email through from time out and they were interested in doing ticketing and I thought this is interesting but also a bit nervous because you know such a big company can ticket tailor really serve a company like this and we had a couple of meetings and quickly realized that this conversation was kind of turning into not a supplier customer relationship but but an acquisition conversation a lot of people if, if they're starting a company and they get to TK the idea of selling it at that size off for software isn't always that attractive because like you've got a bit of momentum you did this relatively quickly in a year you could sort of carried on that momentum what was going through your mind why did you decide to sell it and what were they offering that made that so attractive for you yeah it's a really good point and do you know what like i wasn't a done deal in my mind when when i realized the conversations were going this way one thing with my experience kind of going from university to creating websites to building out ticket tailors i hadn't actually worked with other people so there was this opportunity as well to get some experience working for a great company working with great people so talk me through now you're at timeout sort of what was those couple of years like did it sort of go to plan 
So the plan was to integrate TicketTailor into Timeout and for Timeout to become a transactional platform and to kind of explore that opportunity of them becoming the ticket seller. And yeah, eventually like the project kind of got shelved and I became, I was like product manager, kind of then started transitioning to be a product manager on another platform in the business. Wait, so, so you moved off TicketTailor? Well, it was kind of just, TicketTailor was just kind of like running, right? And the idea was to integrate it, but that kind of project to integrate it kind of stopped happening but it wasn't wasn't growing customers at that point it was kind of staying level at the 2k mrr actually throughout the whole period interesting so you end up buying back ticket sailor from time out after a few years how did this even come about because usually when uh, an acquisition happens and it might not go out the product is usually killed or just dies out or just becomes like a feature yeah, it's such luck, right? Like, it couldn't have gone better from my perspective. I had to work there for 18 months. I got to 18 months, and, and a friend was just handing his notice at time out, and I was a bit like, yeah, actually, maybe I should think about moving on. The ticket tailor integration is clearly not happening. And so I handed in my notice, and I had a three-month notice period, but asked if I could reduce my notice period to one month, and they said, well, no, because we've got your business, and we don't know what to do with it. And it's kind of still running, and it's, it's going to be our responsibility. And so... Yeah, I was chatting this through with a friend and he suggested, well, why don't you like model it out for them of what it looks like for you to buy it back and what it looks like for them to keep running it and what it looks like for them to shut it down and make your offer of buying it back the best option. And I thought, that is genius. So literally just put that in a spreadsheet, had a meeting. It was a really quick meeting. And it was like, yeah, cool. Let's do that. That's obviously the right answer. Did you buy it back for less than you sold it for? It was less than 10%, I think I paid for it to get it back. So... Uh, when you bought it back you're now at that point that you were exactly before you sold it where you're at that tk that was your goal but now you've actually got to do something with it so did you go back to silicon roundabout and try and raise money what did you do johnny <laughs> yeah that that was that was like the picking up point and i was still pretty clueless to what bootstrapping meant and there was still like no community around it or at least as far as i was aware and I met this guy called Pietro, and he was also bootstrapping a company, and he had loads of... We were literally just sat on the couch for about two hours chatting. It was amazing. I was like, wow. I like, And he introduced me to all these things. Like, he told me about MicroConf, and it was like, whoa. So there's a whole, like, conference for people who are bootstrapping their businesses. I had no idea. And it just gave me that confidence to be like, I don't think I wanted to do the funding. And then we moved into a co-working space together, and... We did weekly stand-ups, putting a lot of the rituals that you might have at a bigger company, but between bootstrapped companies. And it was just great to be on that like very deep level. So was your goal just to bootstrap this solo, build a lifestyle business? Yeah, it was. It was really enjoying that time. And I didn't really, again, like I'm not like a real long-term thinker. I'm quite short-term and I was enjoying it. And it was a lot of fun and kind of had sights set. I remember 8K MRR was my sight set then. That was like, okay, that's the lifestyle place I want to get to. Yeah, and remember getting there and thinking like, I remember saying to Pietro, like, at this point, if I had the option, if someone said you can pause right now and it'll stay like this the rest of your life, I remember thinking like, I'll, I'll press the pause button. <laughs> um, obviously, that would have been a bad decision now that we know the future, but that was very much like my mindset at the time. But I did grow tired of it and it came to a point where I think I'd like tried to redesign the website three times and still wasn't happy with it. And it was just like, oh, what am I doing? I'm just spinning here now. This doesn't feel like progress anymore. And that was the point at which I thought, okay, perhaps I need to think a bit, a bit differently now. So thinking differently, how did this start to manifest for you? Did you have like money in the bank and you think, I'm going to start hiring people, grow the company a bit, bit differently? 
Yeah, it was it was very cautious. There was money in the bank and uh, a friend of mine had recently quit his job who was a designer and he was freelancing. So I was like, oh, come and work in the office with me for a couple of months and redesign the website because I'm really stuck on it. And he did that and that was great fun. It was like, wow, it's so cool having someone in the office who is getting stuff done, making decisions. And, and it was brilliant. So I said to him, do you want to join the company? You know, like it wasn't like design actually was the area where if I'd gone into this strategically, it's like, do you know what's going to grow this company? It's like, we need a designer. But I knew I could work well with him and I knew he was adding lots of value. So it's like, this, this just makes sense. And then realized that actually this is quite a mind shift now going into this idea of having a team so from that kind of grew out engineering team, hired our head of tech, still here with us today, and then a couple more engineers as well. And that's what the company was for a couple of years. All right, Johnny, let's um, round off on talking about sort of the last few years. So as a ticketing company, something that might have been make or break for your business was COVID, of course, which came around and decimated so many businesses. And I'm sh- assuming yours, which was a lot of live events, was impacted quite a bit from it so how did the impact of covid affect ticket taylor how do you address it what do you do throughout that time yeah it's really good question so literally our charts are kind of like going up 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 and it literally is one or two days where everything stops all the money stops um so we need to rethink what we're going to do and a few things one thing was you know having the money in the bank to pay everyone's salary for years No one needs to worry about their job. No one's getting furloughed. We've got enough money in the bank. So we can focus on whatever it is we need to focus on. And then it was like, okay, well, how can we we help our customers? Our customers are in a worse place than us. They can't run events. So what can we do? So we thought up all these different ideas. We went free for online events, for example. Then we also, we created a tool called Forgo My Refund, where people could essentially donate the refund of their event to the event organizer. And then we started thinking about, okay, well, what should we do? On one hand, we can get our heads down and we can work on our product without customers and get ourselves into a really strong position for when, you know, hopefully this thing passes. And then on the other hand, let's think about how might events come back. And there were loads of platforms doing the kind of like virtual event thing. And we dismissed that. We thought, let's not go into that because there are so many companies doing it. And I want to bet on a world where events do come back. And yeah, the, the year played out okay for us in the end, actually. We had quite a few hairy months of loss making for the first time you know that was kind of a bit daunting but because because we we're in a very safe place financially it wasn't wasn't too stressful so w- when things did sort of rebound and things got back to normal bet you felt great so during covid although it was stressful it was so motivating we were so so clear what our what our mission was at that point and then when things started coming back it was like oh phew you know that's a relief that we don't need to worry about going into the red at all month to month or anything like that but I've started feeling really demotivated. I started feeling like, hang on a minute, this is just feels like business as usual. And something that was really important, and in terms of like, and especially when like building out the team, was the idea that Ticket Taylor is a business for good. And so when business started coming back, it was a bit like, well, hang on, what are we doing now? Like, are we just going to grow? Like, we're we just growing. What's it for? What does it mean? What does this growth mean? Which is a weird thing to say because it feels like it should be that it felt amazing, but it didn't. It felt really demotivating. So as a leadership team, we got together and it was like, okay guys we're through covid this is brilliant but what does it mean you know we've talked about being a business for good we're now back in the territory of normality for our business model what does business for good actually mean how can we how can it not be words and how can it be actually be real and so we came up with this thing called growth on purpose and the idea is that for every ticket we sell 
things get better. We have a positive impact. And the decisions we made there were like, right, we're going to have a profit share scheme. So the more tickets we sell, the more money goes back to the team. And then finally, like invest in the planet as well. So for every ticket we sell, we decided we're going to donate a penny to climate causes. And we found three charity partners that are all about restoring and protecting nature. And yeah, last year we donated £140,000. And then it became exciting again. Then it was like, Oh yes, this is it. This is why we're doing it. This is our purpose. This is and we're not just we're not just saying we're a business for good. We're actually like baking it into the business model. Johnny, I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast and in the hack entrepreneur. Great. Book is Donut Economics. You only need to read the first couple of chapters, but I'm sure the rest of the book's great too. Podcast, Crypto Queen, great podcast. And then Bootstrapper is Pietro Saccomoni, uh, the guy I mentioned who I met on my journey. He's on LinkedIn and puts out some great Bootstrapper advice as well. Great recommendations, Johnny. Thank you so much for coming on in Indie Bites. Thank you so much. Cheers, James. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Johnny White. I hope you enjoyed his story. It's pretty crazy, the journey he's been on. To show your support for the show, I'd appreciate you checking out our sponsor, Email Octopus, and subscribe to my newsletter, The Indie Bite. All links are in the show notes as usual. See you next week.